Right, good morning. This week's parashah is parashat Vayese. Vayese starts uh, with Yaakov's uh, arrival at the top of what seems like a mountain. And the pasuk says, Vayifgat Bamakum, which in the eyes of the Hachamim is an immediate understanding for us that Yaakov's first reaction in a questionable, difficult situation was to pray. In the eyes of the Hachamim Masechet Berachot, this is the establishment of Tefilat Arbit, Kibah Hashemish. It's a circumstance where Yaakov's innate, his natural response to difficult circumstance was Pigi'ah, which is prayer. And for all intents and purposes, that enters us into a parasha and a life of Yaakov, which is at several critical junctures pronounced by, highlighted by prayer. It's Yaakov at the beginning of Parashat Vayishlach as well, where overtly the Pesukim describe his prayer, his soulful prayer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But as well, throughout this narrative, Parashat Vayeseh, the life of Yaakov, and that of Yitzhak and Abraham, the Hachamim see in all of them a certain call to prayer as well. We saw at the beginning of Parashat Toledot explicitly, Vayeitar Yitzhak lenochach ishto. Has this iconic statement of Rabbi Yitzhak. Why was it that Hakadosh Baruch Hu made the Imahot, made the Avot, Akarim? Why was it that they were barren? Because God is because he is yearning, because he desires the prayer of those who are righteous. That statement of the Hachamim, that vision, that perspective that they provide for us for prayer is a little bit different, if you ask me, than the one we're, in a standard way, accustomed to. We generally assume that prayer is purposeful because it brings results. We generally assume that we pray to God in order to get a response. Alternatively, the statement of Rabbi Yitzhak is, the reason they were barren is so that there would be a constant prayer. There would be a turning to Him on a consistent basis, not per se for a response, but a difficulty of circumstances calls for us to plead to turn to a being whom we know we can find during those difficult times. Now, the description in turn for me, just in a sentence, is that prayer, contrary to the way we often assume, is not one in which I beseech, I request, and hope for a result, but rather an experience which is significant in it of itself. I remember once being present when someone was asked, but I'm not feeling it. I don't feel connected during time of prayer. Is it worth it? Aren't I defying the purpose of prayer if I don't feel as if I'm being responded to, if I don't have that vision, that uh, experience of God's presence in my life at the time of prayer? And the response in turn, though, was you have an opportunity to connect to Borei Olam. You're not feeling it understood, but you have that opportunity. You're given the opening for such an experience, and you're going to squander that? You're going to turn away from it? Reminds me of what I once read in an essay written by Rabbi Salvechik called Majesty and Humility. He describes the time when his wife was sick with what was ultimately speaking a fatal sickness. And he described how in the hospital uh, room he was incapable of praying. He felt that it was too sterile, the white walls and the doctors and nurses. It wasn't a circumstance, a situation of prayer, but how when he would return home from visiting her and being with her over the course of the day in the hospital, he'd fall to his knees and feel in that moment not a king who was responding to his prayers, but a father whom he was embracing and being embraced by during a time of sorrow and difficulty. 
prayer, tefillah, through the prism of the hachamim, that statement in Masechet Yevamot, perhaps should reorient us. Prayer is about an experience of communion, of connectedness. It's reminiscent in that respect of the Gemara in Yoma and Dafa'ayin Vav, where the Gemara has how the students of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai asked him, why didn't God provide us in the desert over the course of 40 years with the man one day a year? Why not give it to us and not need us to wake up every day and go and collect it? It's arduous, it's annoying, it's difficult, it causes uncertainty. Why not just give it to us initially one time and we'd be able to store it away and keep it for the uh, duration of the desert or of the year? And his suggestion by means of a mashal was if there's a king of course, every good mashal in Judaism starts with a king who had a child, a single child, who initially giving him the money for the entire year to sustain him, then didn't see his son a single time throughout the year until the next year. <coughs> Instead, he determined, he decided, every time you need, every single day, you'll have to knock at my door, we'll have to have a conversation, we'll talk to one another. Mechavenin et libam of Shimon bar Yochai, the opportunity, the responsibility for us on a daily basis to to be able to be pogea, to be able to touch off on a communion in prayer, is one in which, if you asked me, seen through these lenses, how could we squander it? How could we turn away from it? In truth, it's in this week's parasha as well, that the name Naphtali, the name Naphtali is brought about through the birth, of course, of Bilha, the Shivha of Rachel, and that name Naphtali is hard to translate. What does it mean? What do those words mean? It's in our community not a very common name, but in other communities it's a common name. What does the name mean? Onkelus, quoted by Rashi, suggests that it has something to do with prayer. Siluta, something to do with tahanunim, something to do with ba'uti, something to do with beseeching, I turned to God. In fact, naftuleh and naftali might share something along the lines of a shorish with tefillah. Rashi alternatively cites from Menachem ben Sarok, one of the ancient commentators to the Torah or translators in his Mahberet, he writes that it's Milashon Samid Patil. A patil is a strand which is Samid, which, which ties things together. The Lashon of Naphtali means I became closer to my sister. Ironically, of course, in some respect, Rachel says, through the birth of this child, Rashi himself suggests it's Milashon um, uh, it's about a, a constancy. It's about being stubborn and, and making certain that you're always there and present and a part of it. Piecing all of these interpretations together, I wonder if tefillah, as described through that name Naftali by Rashi, beginning with Onkelus and through those other interpretations, we'll think of them together. Uh, the Ptelto, the constancy, the Samid Patil, the connectedness, might really describe for us what prayer is. Prayer is an opportunity to, on a constant basis, feel that presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. As Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai described to his students, you can be mechavenet libecha l'ashamayim, you can feel the presence of God through the need and necessity. It would be Yitzhak's words, the imahot, the avot, were barren so that they connected themselves. Instead of imagining it and envisioning prayer as a, a placing money in a machine and assuming I'm going to get something in return, it's a constant conversation. It's a constant thoughtful experiment. In fact, thought and prayer as well might be referred to in Parashat Vayichi when Yaakov says about Yosef when he encounters him, and the Lashon Filalti, at least according to Rashi, has something to do with thought. 
an emotive thought and expression and memory and realization. Prayer has a constant binding nature if we experience it as such. I'll conclude only with one other midrash. It's a midrash at the beginning of Parashat Vayet Hanan, which is often misunderstood. The word Vayet Hanan, the Chachamim say, is a word which should remind us of Taf Kof Tet Vav, 515. Why? Because that's, of course, the Gematria, right, Jay? Uh, that's the Gematria. Vayet Hanan said, Chachamim, Le'olam lo yimna adam et asmo min harachamim. You should never prevent yourself from turning to God. After all, Moshe Rabbeinu Vayet Hanan designates, hints to us, 515 prayers that he set forth to God. That's a fascinating midrash. I'll tell you why. Because it's beautiful. Always praying, continue praying. But Moshe wasn't responded positively. <coughs> What's Vayet Hanan? He wanted to enter into the land of Canaan. His response was no. So 515 times, make certain that you never prevent yourself from requesting. If anything, this should be the story of don't request. He wasted his time requesting. Uh, underwritten, the statement of the Hachamim is perhaps the vision of prayer that's being repeated throughout. Naftali, that word which in some way or another represents prayer, is about constant binding. It's about thoughtfulness. It's about a constancy. It's about being involved, an experience in which we can and should turn to God and feel His presence in our life. And we oftentimes instead turn away because we're not feeling it is an experience which we need to reorient ourselves to. It's an experience which instead of imagining that each of the words we're saying will be immediately responded to, maybe alternatively, the dire circumstance, the difficult situation is purposeful, not so that I pray for it to be fixed, but for the fact that I just pray in such a situation. The opportunity, the responsibility for each of us to pray on a constant basis, begun in the eyes of the Hachamim by the Avot, by Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, but continued through Moshe and others, is one which is uh, not only an opportunity and a responsibility, it's a privilege for all intents and purposes. It's for us the opportunity to open up, to connect with the Almighty Being, where you could have imagined he's distant, he's far, he's kemelech ve'eved el Adonav. It's a circumstance where it's a king, I have nothing to do with him, how would I ever open my mouth to him? Instead, envision it as one, so to speak, as Rabbi Salvechik said, where I'm turning as a child, seeking and searching for just the embrace, the mercy of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in that situation. Baruch Adonai Amen, amen.